Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Pick up the pieces of your life, put them back together with the words you write, all the beauty and peace and the magic that you'll start to find when you write your story. You got the words inside, don't you think it's time? Let them out and write them down, uncover what it's all about. And write your, write your story, write your, write your story. Hi, and welcome back to the Write Your Story podcast. This is Ali Fallon. I'm your host, and I am in the studio today with my new friend, Mary Lise. Mary and I met at a park with our kids. We were pushing our kids on the swing, and we just got to talking about writing your story. And she told me that she has a story she wants to write. And we talked about it for a while at the park. And I said, you know what, you should come be a guest on the podcast because there's a lot more that we can say about this. And so I'm so grateful and glad to have you here. This is going to be a really fun conversation. I know. And there's like, I know like 2% of what you want to talk about, what your story is, but there's so much more that we can unpack. So I'm really anxious and excited to unpack it with you today. Yeah, I'm very excited. There's so much I can tell. What made you respond in that way when I said to you, you know, I teach this workshop called Write Your Story. What made you like get excited about that? Well, I had been following the workshop for about a year and praying that I could be a part of it. And I've always wanted to write my story. I've had so many people tell my story for me. There's a lot of tragedy, mm-hmm. um, a lot that I've overcome, and a lot of people are shocked when they hear everything. And then thinking about where I'm at today and being married and yeah. having a family and having a career and a degree, people are really shocked to hear you know, what all I've been through in my childhood and even yeah. in young adulthood and that I'm still here now and that I'm thriving. And so I think the thing that lights me up about telling my story is that I never wanted to be a victim. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like people told my story in a way that made me sound like one. And then as I got older, I thought, well, I wonder why that's happening. And then I realized, like, I I think I saw myself as one. Yeah. And that transformation of, you know, I don't want to look at myself as a victim. 
And I don't want to look at people that have hurt me, the villains in my story, as being people that intentionally hurt me. And so it's just, this the process of doing that has been cathartic. And yeah. another thing is I noticed that I was forgetting a lot of my life. So I would just write down kind of stream of consciousness. That's mm-hmm. the only place I'm at right now. And it was helping me remember parts of my life, which I've always been interested in why I don't have the memories that my husband has. Or yeah. when people recall like very vivid memories, I don't have those. Yeah. Only like the really tragic yeah. parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then some of the the highlights. That's what lights me up is that I want to figure out a way to tell my story that doesn't make it sound like I'm a victim sure. and that people can learn from it. Yeah, I think that's a really common urge that people have, especially people who have been through trauma or tragedy in their lives, is the urge to move into the position of the hero inside of the story structure, just to see yourself as an empowered character in the story. So that doesn't mean that something bad didn't happen to you. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have total control over all of your circumstances or like from here on forward, now only good things happen to me. It just means that I'm an empowered person inside of the story, which means I see myself as having power to move the plot forward as a character in the story. So I think that's a really common urge that people have. The other thing I wanted to mention is the forgetting parts of your story. In my mind, there are two ways to forget. And one way to forget is forgetting in your conscious memory, but holding it in your body. That's also really common for trauma victims. And another way to forget is through the process of writing your story, there's a a sense of forgetting where it's not so much forgetting, but it's almost like a setting down of the baggage. When you make sense of your story, you, you aren't holding it in your cells anymore the way that you used to. So you may remember parts of it, but you're not carrying that around with you everywhere. And that's a different kind of forgetting. That's a much lighter kind of forgetting, I think, than the first kind. So I think that's another reason why we naturally as human beings feel really drawn to tell our stories to other people. And then you also mentioned inspiring other people, which is, I think, a sign that someone is really ready to evolve and grow past the story that they lived in their in their past is that feeling of, now I want to take this thing that happened to me that was really difficult and share it with others in a way that's inspiring and uplifting. Let's linger for a second on other people telling your story for you. Mm-hmm. Talk about what that looked like and then what that felt like for you. I know the people that, do share my story will probably be listening to this. So it's something that I'm kind of wrestling with right now. But both my parents are very neglectful. My mom had like a medication addiction and an alcohol addiction. And then my dad had an alcohol addiction too. And it was, they were very emotionally neglectful. Mm -hmm. And, and so growing up, I dreamed that I'd have a family. And when I got to be like right out of high school, I had this situation happen with my sister. It's a long story, but um, I ended up being arrested and I couldn't live with my family anymore. My mom and dad had been divorced for a long time. They got remarried Mm -hmm. um, and we were all living together. And so my mentor found this family I could live with and they became my mom and dad. Like over time, I would call them mom and dad. Like I had a second set of parents and I say that they spiritually adopted me. Mm. And I think just in one way people reshare my story is to kind of share that part of it and how I was able to leave that situation and be with a family and how just like amazing that is that 
I was grafted into this family and now I like call them mom and dad. Sure. And, and so it's, it's retold for that reason because it's so interesting. And yeah. I think though it, it does come across like poor Mary, she, you know, she had all these things happen. There's a lot more detail that happened. And I don't think anyone means to do that. I just like, to me, what it sounds like, it's like less, like it was my, like, I, like I didn't have any control over it. Yeah. And I, I did though. Like, and I, and I'm starting to realize that now. And I don't think anyone ever implies that. I just would love to know how to share it. Cause there's so much that happened that I'm not even uh, adding in that people will say that kind of makes it sound even more yeah. tragic. And it was, and I'm sad. My parents have both passed away since. So even adding that in, um, in tragic ways, my mom took her life and my dad died of a drug overdose. So it, it's just adding in all those layers and many details that have happened since. When people tell my story, it's always just full of tragedy. And I really would like for the center to be the fact that I became a mom and I I went to college and I have a career and I love what, you know, yeah. and it just feels like the tragedy. There's just so much that it's hard not to like focus on that. Sure. And, and all that being said is I would do the same thing. I would speak about myself as a victim and would talk about my family like they were villains. And a phrase that I've kind of coined now is no one's betrayed me. Mm. And my mom didn't betray me. My dad didn't betray me. I was sexually abused when I was little. I would bring that person into my story and, and just different things. Like I had some family members that, you know, abused me a little and, and I just don't, give them the stage on my story anymore. Sure. And it's taken me, I'm 32. It's taken me yeah. that long to realize like, I don't have to talk about that. I don't have to talk about them. I can shorten my story and it can impact people. And the reason why I really would want to be coached is because there's just so many beats that are tragic that it's interesting to people, but I, I don't know what to leave out. And what to include. So, cause I want people that have been through what I've been through to be inspired, but well, I also don't want to overload people with information. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think a story that's full of a lot of tragedy can absolutely be inspiring. I don't know if you've read Educated by Tara Westover, but that book is a great example of a book that has so much tragedy crammed into it that at least for me, it took me a couple of different attempts to even read the book because it was so visceral for me and real as I was reading her story. I just could not imagine living in her shoes. So it was incredibly tragic, but also beautiful yeah. and also very inspiring and also a reminder for me at least because I have my own set of tragedy and trauma in my history, but if we're going to compare, nothing like what she went through. And so it was just this reminder for me that those things in my life do not have to be a limiter for me. They don't have to be an obstacle. They don't have to get in my way. And all the ways that I identified with her story, I also identified with her transformation and her ability to overcome those hardships. So I think there's a way to include them in the story where they don't eat up the whole story. They're not the focus of the story, even if they take up the most real estate inside of the story, because the story is built around the transformation of you. And also, I want to acknowledge that it may be true that you have enough resolution around that part of your story that you're done talking about it mm -hmm. and you want to move on and write a new story. And I feel similar to this. I came into this work really through a couple different avenues. One that I had worked in publishing for a long time and helped a lot of authors outline books, but also because a handful of years ago, almost 10 years ago at this point, I went through a divorce. 
I wrote my story of leaving a toxic marriage and rebuilding my life on the other side of it. That book is called Indestructible. And that experience was so powerful for me. It was such a powerful tool to create my own life change that I was like, I've got to put this tool in the hands of other people. So that was kind of how I entered into this work. But I reached a point where talking about the divorce and being the divorced woman didn't register for me anymore. It didn't resonate. Like I was remarried happily. I have two kids. And even before my kids were here, it was kind of like, I think I'm done talking about divorce. Like I'm not going to shut someone down if they come to me and say, I read your book. I really, you know, I, I could use your wisdom or, or something like that. If they're going through something similar, I'm happy to always share parts of my story as it's helpful. But in terms of like going to get on a stage and speak about a thing, I'm not going to go be like, this is my story because it doesn't really feel like that anymore. And so between those two things, there's one option, one path for you where the story does include all of these tragic details, but that isn't the end of the story. And there's another path where the story that you're trying to tell right now isn't really that story anymore. It's a new story. Yeah. So I don't know which one of those (laughs) feels the most resonant for you, but that made me think too. I have a very interesting story about becoming a mother. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. That made me think, too. I have a very interesting story about becoming a mother. I had a great pregnancy, my first one. It was during COVID, which actually is another part of my story. Through COVID, I realized that I was living my life way too fast and that kind of the theme that I, I want to accomplish is just to simplify yeah, and it all, I always come back to that. But 
postpartum, I developed a hyperthyroidism and experienced like six months of, of insomnia and felt like I was kind of robbed of that newborn stage that I, yeah, I, I wanted to spend with my son and prayed that I would get that back. And then I was in, I ended up getting to spend two years with my son as a stay-at-home mom. So it's like really awesome. But your son was born, remind me, before COVID hit, right? Yeah, March 2021. Oh, okay. Well, so it was after. After, After, I mean, sorry, after, yes. But I became pregnant, you know, during COVID. And yeah, yeah, it was just, and, and then there's a whole story behind that where it was hard for me to get pregnant. And then I went on a journey to to regulate and, you know, work on my fertility. And postpartum, when that, all that happened, the insomnia and, my health just took a huge hit. Just everything that I've been avoiding in my childhood came to me. Yeah. And that's really why I'm able to talk about it the way I am now because of that happening and realizing I've been avoiding this. I've been mm-hmm. living in scarcity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not been living in abundance. And COVID really taught me to like embrace abundance. Like even that, just like that whole time of getting pregnant and then, yeah, just slowing down my life. And then becoming a mom and then getting so sick and just realizing that and just having everything come to me. And that's really a story that I feel like most connected to. It does yeah. include, you know, things from my childhood, like, you know, are a part of that story. But not having my mom and dad here, my dad died after shortly after Aiden was born. Now I, I grieve it in a different way, my relationship with them. And then starting a business, I have noticed my scarcity living has kept me from living in abundance in my business and serving people. And I realized like I'm so focused on me, which is that the scarcity and the victim mentality. You're just so focused on yourself. You're not focused on, you know, outwardly, like what you're doing for others. And you have to contribute. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that journey has been more recent and more like close to my heart. And then the other, it just, it just seems like, you know, gets brought up a lot because it's interesting, but yeah, I don't feel like connected to that necessarily, like being arrested and removed from my family. That makes sense. It's like almost like another lifetime is how I feel about my divorce. Yeah. And it doesn't have anything to do with the amount of time that's passed in my opinion. And I'm not a therapist, but in my opinion, it has to do with how much resolution you've brought to the situation internally. So if I had gone through that divorce 10 years ago and hadn't really brought any resolution to the situation, it may be that 10 years later, I'm still kind of lingering or feeling bitter or still really wanting to talk about how I was wronged or how I was betrayed or whatever. And because I brought resolution to the situation and because you've brought resolution to the situation, it doesn't feel like I want to linger there. And this is like what I was talking about at the beginning where it's like a putting down of the baggage where you're just like, oh yeah, it did happen to me. I do remember it, but it feels like I left that way back there. I'm not carrying that around anymore, trying to figure it out. And so it sounds like you've got two options for, well, there are really three if we include your history telling that story. So that's one option of a story you could tell. Another option of a story you could tell is becoming a mother. And another option of a story you could tell is moving from scarcity to abundance or moving from excess to simplicity or something like that. So it sounds like there's, those are kind of the three options. If I'm coaching you, the one that feels like it carries the most energetic weight for you is the becoming the mother story. Feels like maybe the scarcity abundance thing is still at the beginning stages of the story. And that hasn't developed enough yet to have enough meat on the bone to turn it into a story. 
But the motherhood story, that one is like, well, I don't know if I can say this on the podcast, but you're yeah. pregnant? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm pregnant That's now. It. I'm due in February. Congrats. Um, thank you. That's so exciting. Yeah. So you're having your second. Yes. You've got one. How old is your, He's your boy? two and a half. Okay, two and a half. Yeah. And remind me his name. Aiden. Aiden. Aiden's two and a half. You've got another one on the way. You're like fully in the story of becoming a mother. And that story could include a lot. There's a lot underneath the layer of what it means to become a mother and what that means for you specifically. But it feels like that's the story that's wanting to form right now. Yes. Does that feel right to you? Yes, it, Okay. it does. I don't, I don't know why it, there's something about me that resists it because I I guess I feel like it's it's been like so many people are telling that story already. And yeah, and so I, this, there, that is another part of scarcity that comes up for me. Sure. And is is that, well, you know, who would benefit from it? Like, why should I tell it, you know? And Well, first of all, I just want you to know that's an incredibly normal resistance to have. That it almost every writer I've ever worked with, I always say there are five main phrases I hear writers say. And one of them is, somebody else is already doing that. So it's very, very common. And usually it's someone else who you, whose work you love and you admire deeply. And you're like, I could never live up to Anne Lamott. So I should just not be a writer, that sort of a thing. So, I mean, it's worth unpacking who those people are that you see telling the motherhood story and what about them inspires you. Because actually where we see, oh, they're doing it. So I shouldn't do it. There's actually, they're doing it. And so that's how I can become inspired to do that in my own way. So that's one piece of it. Also, I want to add that your business that you started is very connected to your motherhood story. Oh, yeah. So there's like an obvious fit there in my mind that when you ask the question, who's going to benefit from it? I think every client that you ever work with, ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Becoming a mother... I realized because I've been a behavior analyst and working, you know, to support parents with challenging behavior and teachers and yeah. schools, I would look back and wow, uh, there's so many things I would have done differently had I known now that I'm a mom, like the, the level of empathy I have for parents and yeah. just how hard it is to be a parent. And then add in for me, I, you know, just didn't have a model and realizing, wow, how hard it is. When you don't, yeah. and you don't have a blueprint. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're building a house without a blueprint. Yeah. Which I'll say this too. There's an element in storytelling that I don't include in the write your story framework, but I think it's important to recognize that's, that's the backstory of the hero. So the backstory of the hero, the purpose that it serves is to help the reader understand why the mission that the hero is on is so important and why the stakes are so high. So in your story of becoming a mother, including a small bit about where you come from is important to help us understand why it's so challenging for you to build a family that you can be really proud of because you don't have a model and that's where the backstory belongs. So that can help sometimes help make sense when you're trying to figure out like, is it this story or this story or this story? Sometimes one part of that story is actually just the backstory and it doesn't need to take up a lot of space in the story, but it does inform your reader about why the stakes are so high, why the hero is struggling in the way that they are, and why it really matters that the hero experiences this transformation. Becoming a mom has, I've had to reckon with everything more through that transformation than any other time because up until then I was able to ignore and uh, avoid. And then as soon as I became a mom, I was like, oh, my trauma is like 
it's right, right here. Oh, it's yeah. literally, well, your kids are like a mirror to you. So they're oh. just mirroring your trauma yeah. right back to you. Oh yeah. I've heard people talk about too, that it's kind of, my kids are still too young to really know this for sure. But like that the trauma they're mirroring back to you has to do with the age that they are. So, you know, whatever trauma you experienced at four, when your kid is four is going to be kind of in your face, which seems to make sense. I don't know if that's really true, if it can be proven with data or whatever, yeah. but it does feel true as a mom. Oh yeah. Every stage so far has brought up something new. Yeah. Talk about that. Tell us what's what has come up for you. I'd say in the newborn stage, you know, going through being sick, I felt this overwhelming, I've got to give you more than my parents gave me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like a lot of guilt. Yeah. And um, like, I'm not able to be present for you. And I was abandoned. Yeah. So there was just guilt. And... I just didn't want to abandon my child. Like I didn't want him to, and my husband had to really take over and help feed him a lot. And breastfeeding didn't work out. And it was very hard. Like I I can't even really express with words yet how tough that time was. I would not sleep for like three or four days in a row. And people would, you know, say like, oh, you must be so tired. And I wasn't. I had adrenaline. I And I had my OB tell me it was, that it was postpartum. And and of course it presents itself as postpartum. And I knew it wasn't, I knew it was something medical. And I just felt like so alone because no one believed, I just didn't feel like anyone believed me that it was something else. And Mm -hmm. then I felt really lonely that I wasn't able to connect as much with my son as I wanted to. And how even just saying that out loud right now, I feel like, shame. Like I, how could I not? And I, and I did feel like, like a love for him and I wanted to take care of him. I even had people question, make sure like some healthcare providers, like, are you able to like take care of him? Do you want to take care of him? And then even though I feel like he's safe in your presence, that sort of a thing. Yeah. 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 Which are questions they have to ask. And absolutely. It would be really tough to have that question asked to you as a mom. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And yeah, immediately I, like after being questioned a few times, I even avoided that yeah. support because I, you know, it was just fueling the shame that I had. And yeah, telling the story is so hard because I never really have, I've never really told it in detail. I've never shared details as to how tough it was and how hard it was on my husband too, just yeah. to look at me and know there's nothing I can do to help you. He would help me like do stretch workouts and try anything that he could think of to help me feel better. And but he took over helping Aiden so much. And I, after I was able to get through that and sleep again and everything, I did spend a lot of time with just me and Aiden and playing with him and caring for him. And I was able to to notice where my childhood wounds were showing up, just feeling like a lot of shame around things that would happen like if I wasn't playing with him enough, which I think this came up when me and you had a play date. Yeah. I complimented you backing off and not playing directly with your kids the whole time. And actually since then I've been very intentional, like giving Aiden space and it is something that I'm going through right now. Yeah. And I'm noticing like, man, I'm I'm kind of over him too much. Like I need yeah. to give him some space. Actually, literally this morning I taught him that phrase because he was he said, I don't want to kiss. And I said, oh, you can just tell me you need space. I want, yeah, I need space. I taught my kids that phrase too. And it's yeah. just a game changer. It's so helpful yeah. to have them be able to tell you that. After the these two and a half years, something I've learned is that this is normal for any mom mm-hmm. or any dad to go through. Yep. 
is your the way you were raised, your childhood, your experience is going to inform how you are as a parent. Yeah. And instead of feeling shame, you recognize it and then work through it. And, and is this a value of mine? Do I do I like playing for an hour with my child? And if if you don't, it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't make me a bad mom if I don't, you know, drop and play for an hour. Yeah. And realizing the reason why I feel that way is because I was abandoned and I don't want my son to feel abandoned. It's not because, you know, I heard it on Instagram that you have to play with your children for an hour. You know, I think knowing that, you know, and giving that space has really been really cathartic for me. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Another theme that rises to the surface for me is we talked about our kids sort of bringing up our childhood trauma, but I have this visual of you. You're physically unable to meet every need of your child because every mother is physically unable to meet every need of their child and mothers need to be way better resourced in our culture. It's just like... That's just a a side note, but completely true. But you have this moment where you can't meet every one of his needs. So you come face to face with that and you can either feel guilt and shame about that or you can forgive your parents for not being able to meet every one of your needs. And every mother and every father comes to this role with a different deck of cards. And this has happened for me in being a mother where I realized like I only have the deck of cards I have or the, the hands I've been dealt, whatever, which in a lot of ways has a ton of privilege involved in, in it. And in some ways, like I have deficits, I have deficiencies. I have ways that, or areas where I can't 
meet their needs in the way that I would love to, because I just don't have it to give. And so that theme comes up for me too, that there's this opportunity to either be like, I'm a bad person because I can't meet my kid's need or, oh, I'm not a bad person, which if I forgive myself means I need to also forgive the people who couldn't meet my needs in the way that I wished that they could and wanted them to. And that's a really full circle moment with your backstory as well. Yeah, that's a great connection actually, because it's something that in my mind, I think that I have forgiven my parents and then raising my son, I realize moments come up where Mom, I really yeah. haven't. Yeah. Like even when I'm playing with my son, I think like, I wish my mom would have played with me yeah. like this or my dad would have, and they were so distracted. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be distracted. And then you feel that urge to have no distraction because Which you're trying to. What we talked about, because I was saying you were like, you had complimented me that I was giving my kids a lot of space and letting them play. And I was saying, I think I do that because I felt smothered mm -hmm. at times as a child. And so I'm like, I want my kids to be independent. I want them to have space. I want them to feel like they can do whatever they want. They don't need me. And we just had this interesting moment where it was like, oh, yeah. And also like it can be both. Like there can be a balance there. It doesn't have to be a choice that you make out of the lack. I don't know if I'm saying that very eloquently, but yeah, we had that moment where it was like, oh, well, you could actually do both. You could give them space and also be present and right there and helpful and yeah. engaged. I totally agree. And I, and I think it's the being aware is it helps me know I'm doing this like if I am over my son a lot and like engaged way too much and not giving him any space, it's something also, it's like a judgment that I'm putting on myself that I'm noticing. And I don't think anyone else is judging that or even my son really. I realize it's a value of mine not to do that. Like I really don't want and I, the value that you have of letting your ch your children go and explore on their own. I have that same value. I want my son to go and explore and not feel the need to be with me and attached to me. But it's funny, it has come up so much. There's there's this person at the park that we play with a lot. It's not the parent, it's a caregiver. And they are from another country and they never play with their child, ever. Interesting. With the child that they take care of. And I notice it every time because they're there almost every time we go. And I always judge myself a little bit compared to that. Like, should I be doing that? And then immediately I stop and I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. I value playing with my son. Yeah. I want to play with him. And one day he was having a really tough time and he wanted to hold my hand the whole time. And I caught myself wanting to let go because I wanted to be a little bit more like that. Like, okay, go do your own thing. And then again, I thought, no, I value yeah. you getting your need met. And right now it's holding my hand. I know that you'll let go and go play if yes. you want to. Just that awareness of it's been coming up a lot. Just, okay, this is my trauma, my childhood, my experience informing this, not my value. Yeah. Like what is my value? That's the paradigm shift right there. That's Or the lesson to take away from that experience that bringing the awareness to the situation allows you to really live out of your value instead of living out of your trauma. Right. Because without that awareness, all of us would be living out of our trauma. We're all just responding to an internal feeling that we have that we don't fully, we aren't fully aware of or don't understand or haven't made sense of. But yeah, if you bring that awareness to the table, then you can say, is this really what I want to do? Or do I want to make a different choice right now? I think that, that you just hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah. 
it's really informed a lot of how I support parents now. One way is that, you know, it's, I know every parent listening has heard of gentle parenting. I have a lot of parents come to me with shame around that. Yeah. And me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I end up in here. Yeah. I'm like, are we, are we really going to gentle parent? Is that what we're going to do? I think I want to, but also like, I don't know that I fully am capable. So yeah. Yeah. The first thing I ask parents is what is gentle parenting? Yeah. I asked them that. I said, don't look anything up. Just tell me what you think that means. And then usually the shame part comes up in the definition. Okay. Um, what do most people tell you? I'm very curious. They'll say, you know, I need to respect my child's no. And they'll come up with very specific mm-hmm. things that kind of, because truly, I mean, Gentle parenting is great in it, but it, do, it there's no like scientific definition sure. where you have to follow X, Y, and Z. Everyone defines it a little bit differently. Yes. And, and there's not like the, under the gentle parenting umbrella are these different personalities, experts, books, podcasts, Instagram platforms that talk about gentle parenting. They all fit under that umbrella, but they all approach it a little bit differently too. So absolutely. Yeah. And I will say as a caveat, I think if it serves you and it, you aren't like full of shame and you find beauty in it and you find value in it, then, then call yourself that and, and definitely use those strategies. But for a lot of people that come to me, they heard one piece of it that they're not doing. They'll say like they have a, they have a child that loves to assert themselves and, they say like, I need to respect their no. And I'm like, tell me more about that. And they'll tell me a very specific situation. I'm like, well, you expressed an expectation and you're holding a boundary. So their no is really not an option right now. Yeah. Because you're trying to keep them safe or you're setting a limit that's healthy for them. And that's okay. It's competing with one of their values, something that they hear. And maybe they don't know enough about that strategy and, you know, and, but it's hard because there's no one size fits all. Right parenting strategy or any strategy in any area of life. And every parent is different and comes, like I said, to the table with a different deck of cards and every child is different and brings a different set of challenges to the equation. And so, yeah, I think the point you're making is that there has to be more nuance to the conversation than just, are you a gentle parent or aren't you a gentle parent? Because that's where it's in those conversations where I go like, oh no, maybe I'm not a gentle parent. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It comes up with every parent that I've ever met with yeah. and because it is so popular and it's like you said, you know, people define it differently, but yeah. I always bring it back to values because I'm not speaking against gentle parenting. If gentle is a value of yours, let's define it. Let's talk about what it looks like. Let's talk about in your context, your family, what that means. Mm-hmm. So it actually like has meat to it and it's driving you towards something that you want for your family. Yeah. And, and I'm just making the, th- the connection now that I think that values work is so important to me because of the work that I've done internally of my trauma. Yeah. And, you know, wrestling with that. It's what equips you to do this with parents, that, yeah. that exact experience, overcoming it, becoming a mother, developing this empathy and compassion for what parents go through, what your own parents went through Yeah, to, to become your parents, you know? Sure, could they have made healthier choices in their life? Yes. And were they not equipped to make those choices? Yes. And so, yeah, so your work is born out of that, helping parents use all the resources that they have to make the healthiest choices possible that they can for themselves and therefore their children. And it's a perfect match to the story that you want to tell. Yeah. The more we talk, the more I realize that the story I want to tell is becoming a mother. Becoming a mother. Yeah. Yeah. It's the reason why I do what I do now. 
And I probably chose, you know, supporting children with the most needs because definitely because of my trauma. Sure. But it's so much more apparent now that I've, I've made that choice. I started out as a special education teacher and I felt limited because um, I had to work on academics, but I saw these children engaging in behaviors that were keeping them from accessing friendships and learning. And um, I met a behavior analyst in my classroom and said, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to help kids access, you know, friends and learning and find whatever barriers are in the way. And it's really helping the adults guide children and teach them what they need to access those things because we can't control anyone else's behavior other than our own. So that's really the simple reason why I became a behavior analyst and love the work that I do. But yeah, becoming a mom has really highlighted it and like made me go, wow, that's, you know, it's a part of my, my story and my experience. Um, and it's evolved so much since I first started. So that's like, the work really that part you do, me, you mean, has evolved since you started? Yeah, the work that I do definitely has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I think would be really cool to do before we leave here today is to define the controlling idea of your story. Yeah. So just define, like, what is this story really about? Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. One thing I think would be really cool to do before we leave here today is to define the controlling idea of your story. Yeah. So just define like what is this story really about? And there are a couple of different ways that we could go about this and it may take us a little bit to get there, but I'm curious to hear from you. When you think about sharing your story, 
Do you think of that like writing a memoir? Like I want to share my story from start to finish? Or do you think of it more like I want to coach parents how to live from their values and then I want to use my story as a way to support that endeavor? I'm more attracted to the second option because I really want to help. Like that's really what I want to do more than like when you, when you brought up educated after I read that book, I thought I could write this book and I don't think I want to. Yeah. I don't want people to leave with just an emotion. I want them to leave with an action. I think that's really the simple part of it. But yeah, the second, the second choice would be where I'd be leaning toward. Okay. Are you thinking it would be a book or are you thinking it would be a TED talk or maybe both or something smaller than both of those things or something bigger than both of those things? Where's your head at with that? I'd love for it to be a book and I'd love for, I would love to do a TED talk. That's a dream of mine. It's on my vision board. Awesome. But yeah, doing speaking events and things like that would be, it's definitely on my, on my vision board and what I want to do um, okay. with my story. So there's two different ways we could approach this is why I'm asking these questions is because we could outline your story. We could come up with a controlling idea that is a story about a woman who endured terrible trauma in childhood and becomes a mother and realizes that she's not as equipped as she hoped she would be to be a mother. That could be one way to approach the story. And I think writing that story for you could be very cathartic. And you may want to do that just privately for your own sake. We could also approach this as we could define it around your client instead of you and define what the book would be if you were to put the book together. And that will look a little bit different than if we were to write the story of Mary who went through, you know, a a really difficult childhood and then becomes a mother. Yeah, that's a hard decision. But I think, I think it would be easier for me to focus on how to support a client using my story because it helps like, it helps with that value of wanting to like really help as much as I can. However, I do see just telling the story itself could be helpful as a way to be empathetic and and for someone just to read it and be inspired too. Um, so either option sounds like good. It's hard to choose. I do feel like this is the um, scarcity part of me that comes up is that it's really tough for me to make decisions. That is what's kept me from writing my story. You feel like if you pick one, you lose out on the other. Well, let's do both. Okay. Let's do both. <laughs> and we'll just see which one feels more true or more right or more exciting. Okay. Let's do that. Okay. So we'll start with your story first. So if the story is about you, creating a controlling idea is about defining who the hero of the story is, where they are at the beginning of the story, what the problem is that they're up against, and then how they transform. A story is always built around the transformation of the hero. So we need to know who's Mary at the beginning of the story. How does she transform by the end of the story? And what's the main problem that she has to overcome in order to achieve that transformation? That all needs to be included in the controlling idea. So I usually say a controlling idea is like, this story is about the hero who overcomes the problem in order to achieve the transformation. So we can kind of plug in your details there. So obviously you're the hero of your story if we're writing a story about you, but to go a little deeper than that, We want to define who you are at the beginning of the story. So it could look something like this is a story about a young woman who endured terrible trauma in her childhood, something like that. We can play with that, but that would be like a definition of the hero at the beginning of the story. So endures terrible trauma in her childhood and then who overcomes some kind of problem. In my mind, we need to tinker with the formula a little bit because your problem that you overcome is actually 
it's becoming a mother, which using the word problem for that doesn't totally fit, but it is like the one big obstacle that you have to overcome in order to transform into the version of you that you're going to be at the end of the story. So this is a story about a young woman who endured terrible trauma in her childhood, who becomes a mother and, and then we need to define what the transformation looks like. Speak to that mm-hmm. a little bit and tell me if something comes up for you. Yeah. When we were talking about your trauma informing like how you live your life versus your value and what's, what matters to you and what's important to you. And I even still keep coming up with that abundance versus scarcity keeps coming up for me too. Becoming a mother brought me from living as a victim, living in scarcity and let, allowing my childhood trauma to guide me moving from that to living in abundance, living within my values and what I want for my family and not allowing my trauma to drive my behavior. So I can see that journey and it's made my life better. It's made my marriage better, my friendships better. I can see how it's permeating my life to saying no instead of yes sometimes and simplifying and all the things that I've learned from becoming a mom. Uh, It's just a lot of lessons. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that the transformed version of Mary at the end of the story is a woman who lives from her values rather than her trauma. Mm -hmm. The hero of the story transforms from someone who lives out of her trauma to someone who lives from her values. Mm -hmm. And if the story is about becoming a mother, we need to make sure that thread stays really strong through the entire thing. So for example, it would be a different story if you want to talk about a person who transforms from living from their trauma to living from their values, but you don't have the motherhood piece in it at all, that's a very different story than the one that you're telling. So we want to make sure that in the controlling idea of the story, as we define what this story is about, that we're really clear that this is a story about becoming a mother. Yeah. I want to dig into that a little bit deeper. So if this is a story about becoming a mother, what was it about becoming a mother that forced you to move from living from your trauma to living from your values? It's no longer just me. It's my son that is being affected by it. Got it. Yeah. That's that's the biggest part. I don't know if it fits, but it was really hard for me to become pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to change my diet. I had to change my lifestyle. And it's a really awesome story too. And during COVID, my uh, sister and I started working out as as if it was our job. (laughs) Because I was like, it's the one thing we get to do when we get to leave the house and go do that. So I became super fit. I became more regular and I was able and I changed my diet. And as soon as that transformation started happening is when I got pregnant. That's a really beautiful story too. So that, you know, leading into getting pregnant, having a great pregnancy, and then having that like really difficult postpartum. I just learned so much in that. I think being sick, it changed my expectation of what it was going to be like. And like I thought I'd be breastfeeding my baby in bliss, you know, and just enjoying my baby. And it was horrible how... Isn't that, isn't that <laughs> like the what happens to all of us when we become moms? Yes. It's like quick paradigm shift. It's not exactly how you pictured it. Yes. <laughs> it was everything bubbled up, everything. Mm-hmm. And immediately I had to take care of things that I've been ignoring. The fuel of that was, I want to be the best version of myself I can for my child. Yeah, And it's evolved into not just for my child, but for me and my husband and my friends yeah. and my business. It's evolved into 
I want to be the best version of myself for, for my everyone. Yeah. Okay. I have an insight about this then. I think the way we structure your controlling idea is that this is a story about a woman who becomes a mother and in becoming a mother realizes how much unresolved trauma she mm-hmm. has in her body. And she transforms into someone who understands how to transcend and metabolize her own pain so that she can become the best version of herself. Yes, that's it, really. So what I did is just, I don't know if if you caught that, but I just rearranged. Originally, I was saying the trauma was where we entered the story and the motherhood was the obstacle. And I think it's the other way around. I think the motherhood is the portal. That's where we enter the story. And then the obstacle that you overcome is all this trauma that starts to come up that you didn't know was there. And through that process, you become the kind of person who knows how to alchemize your own pain. That's who you transform into. Absolutely. So writing a controlling idea would be about taking those concepts and refining them so that they read as a single sentence. So when someone goes, tell me about your story or tell me what you're writing, you can say, well, I'm writing a story about how becoming a mom thrust me into my childhood trauma and I had to resolve it step by step so that I could become the mother I wanted to be. Yeah. That sounds like a book I'd want to write. Yeah. It sounds like a book I'd want to read. I would read that book. Yeah. Yeah. It actually makes me not even want to go into, I mean, we can, I'd love to talk about the other second one one, if we have time, but yeah, we can totally do it. I mean, I think, yeah, I think no matter which way we go, what you're going to see is that there's a lot of similarities between the two options which is why I thought doing both would be cool because what I want you to see is that you're not going to miss out no matter which path you follow. Yeah. Okay. So if we were going to write a book that's, I would call it a content driven book that's directed at a reader who's facing a problem, probably your reader is going to be in a similar boat to where you were when you first became a mom. She's probably, my guess is, well, you can tell me about your clients, but my guess is she just became a mom. She's sick or ailing in some kind of way. Maybe she's got postpartum depression or anxiety or she's got mastitis. She's in the hospital. She's not able to show up for her child in the way that she would like to. And she's like, what the heck? I didn't know that it was going to go like this. And I I actually thought doing this would help me become more clear on who I want to help. Yeah. Um, Because I haven't really, but the people I have worked with, another thing that I see is uh, there's a lack of resource in their life. Like they don't live near their parents or mm-hmm. they just don't have a lot of resources or they haven't had a model of yeah. what parenting is. And a lot of us, you know, even if we did have the most picture perfect family, we still have different values. Totally. We live in a completely different time. Yeah. It's like becoming a parent has helped me let my parents off the hook so much because I just think, and I actually, I have wonderful parents, yeah. but there were just, ways that my needs didn't get met as a child. And that's true for literally anybody. And so what I was saying is it's helped me let my parents off the hook because it's like, that was in 1985. Like this is a weird connection to make, but I remember seeing someone share on Instagram about, I think it was a magazine article about Britney Spears from like the late nineties. And the commentary that was made about her when she had her mental breakdown or whatever you want to call it, When now, if we watch this happen in the public eye now, we would be like, get this woman some therapeutic help, like send her to a treatment center. She needs more support. Like her mental health is not in a good place. Get her medicated, whatever. Like this woman needs support. And back then, because of the place we were at as a culture, 
we just didn't have that much awareness. And so, so the stuff that was said about her was like vile and awful and truly just evil, but it was where we were as a culture at that time. And so it's a bizarre connection, but that sort of thing helps me to go, well, our parents were just raising kids at a time in the world when they didn't have access to the knowledge that we have. The world wasn't in the place that it's in. They didn't know as much as we knew. They didn't have the resources that we have. And it's just a completely different time. Yeah. And I think how that compares today is that we expect, well, so, so much, so much of ourselves. <laughs> Way too much. Yeah. And like my godparents will tell me, like, I do not envy you raising a child right now. Yeah. Um, because it's so hard. And in some ways, like, it's definitely both and. I'm so happy that we don't spank children yeah. as often yes. now, that it's not as common. Um, there's so many beautiful things that have happened. As how, often, you you don't spank your kid every day, just every exactly. day. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> there's some people I know out there that, you know, still do sure. utilize that. It's just like, it's definitely taboo now, which mm-hmm. I, you know, I, we don't spank our child. Yeah, um, we don't spank in our house either. Yeah, I mean, research will definitely show you that it does not help. It creates resentment. It also creates like increases lying behavior. There's so many studies out there that can show yeah. that it's actually hurtful. And we didn't have that then in the 80s and 90s. I mean, when I was in school, you could be spanked by the off, like it, with a paddle. Yeah, um, yeah, by your teacher. Yeah, so it's wild. So I think if I were to write a book for parents, it would be learning to live from your values. And I'm, I'll just speak kind of freely. I really encourage parents to get off the internet and try mm. not to copy things that you see. And try to build a culture that you want for your family with values and expectations and guidelines or things that are important to your family and that work for your family. Like, ooh, I, you know what uh, I love for this? What the images just came to mind because we talked about not having a blueprint. Yeah. It's like building your own blueprint. Oh, I love that. It's like exiting stage left from gentle parenting, although not that gentle parenting doesn't have a lot to offer but it is like building your own blueprint rather than, and I don't think in a title of a book, you'd have to even mention gentle parenting. You could if you wanted to be really provocative, but it is building your own blueprint for yourself as a parent. I love that. There's this show that I can't remember that I was watching and it had the different parenting styles and they all were competing. And I thought about that. We watched this. My husband and I watched this. Yes. Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. And I remember watching that and I thought every single one of those parents are doing something good. We had that same, that was our same takeaway because there were some of the styles at the beginning where you were just like, ooh, like I don't like that concept at all. But if you watch through the whole season, even the parents whose style you don't align with at some point in the show, you go like, oh yeah, that was a really brilliant moment with your kid. Yeah. Yeah. We're all different. And I love when I see different things working for different people. And I just want to encourage that more than th- I just see in the parenting space, like trying to fit into this cookie cutter. You have to do it this way. If you don't do it this way, you're going to ruin your child for the rest of their yeah. life. They're going to be in therapy. Yeah. And it's just not true. Like yeah. well, kids are so resilient. Like, look, like that's look something. Us. Yeah, like, look at us. Yeah. Here we are. And also yeah. like kids will be in therapy for the rest of their lives either anyway. way from all kinds of stuff. So it's like, and- I've been in therapy for 20 years and I'm like, I don't see that as a detriment to me. It's, it's part of how I explore my sense of self and become the woman who I want to be. And so it's like, let's not speak about that as if it's some sort of terrible thing. Totally. Yeah. I, I encourage parents when they talk to me, I'm like, instead of trying to prevent 
future things from happening. Focus more on what you want now. Yeah. And also let go of that pressure because you are going to mess up. I say that every time, almost every session I have with a parent, I'm like, you're going to screw things up. You're going to mess up. Allow yourself to give yourself that grace because the shame that you're feeling right now is actually working against you. And it's harder on your kids than Mm -hmm. any, any mistake that you could make. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that would be kind of the the theme of the book would be teaching that. Building the blueprint from your values is how I see that, yeah. that book. Yeah. The other thing that popped into my head was a subtitle. The transformation for them is the same as yours, which is moving from living from your trauma to living from your values. Yes. Building your own parenting blueprint. Yes. Living from your values rather than your trauma or something like that. I don't know a great way to say this yet, but I've always wanted to put this out like on my social media. I also don't want to hurt anyone's feelings about, you know, gentle parenting things. But I do see it as like a pendulum being swung from trauma, from kids being spanked, kids being punished, take everything taken away, your feelings not validated. And I get that we do need to do all that, of course. But I see parents reinforcing behaviors that are are really disrespectful and dangerous. And but because they want to, you know, validate a feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I have to say like, that's not the time, you know, and be very nuanced and teach like kind of a deconstruction of some of these yeah. strategies that they hear. And I think if parents just would stop looking online and kind of look just like, let yep. all that go. Yeah. And look inward. Yeah. Write it all down what you want and then go back and see if it matches. Yeah. What, we'll wrap up on this note, but that paradigm shift Moving from looking outward to looking inward is another really powerful paradigm shift that could drive the arc of a book that you wanted to write or a TED Talk you wanted to share because that applies to way more than just parenting too. It obviously applies to parenting and you're telling it through the parenting lens, but that's about way more than just parenting. That's like becoming the leader of your own life. You know, like I'm not going to look outside for approval. I'm going to look inside and build the life and the family that I want to have from that place. And that's a really, really beautiful transformation that you could offer to your reader. I love that. Thank you so much for doing this with me. This is so fun. I love that we just like met at a park and I was like, come be on my podcast. <laughs> I love it. It was very serendipitous. And it it was, was so serendipitous. It was yeah. perfect timing. And I love what you shared today. I know it's going to be really helpful for our listeners. Thanks for being vulnerable and putting yourself on the spot and being willing to share and be coached in front of, I don't know how many people are listening, <laughs> in front of people who are listening. We're grateful to have you here and we'll have you back again soon to talk about how to become a parent who leads from within. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I would love to come back. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.
With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ibera Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.